Amen. Our God truly is amazing. Well, I was uh, looking online this week, and I ran across a uh, little story. I thought I would share it with you. It says, um, and God populated the earth with broccoli and cauliflower and spinach, green and yellow vegetables of all kinds, so that man would live a long and healthy life. But Satan created fast foods. And our fast foods establishments brought forth the double cheeseburger. And the fast foods would say to man, you want fries with that? And man would say, supersize them. And man gained pounds. And God said, try my fresh salad. But Satan created ice cream. Boy, that's rough. I don't... I don't know who wrote this. <laughs> and man gained pounds. And God said, I have sent three heart-healthy vegetables and olive oil with which to cook them. But Satan created steak so big that it needs its own platter. And man gained pounds and his bad cholesterol went through the roof. And God brought forth running shoes. And man resolved to lose those extra pounds. But Satan created cable TV with remote controls so man would not have to toil to change the channels. So man watched others exercise and man gained pounds. And God brought forth the potato, a vegetable low in fat and brimming with nutrition. But Satan created deep-fried potatoes called potato chips and dips to plunge them in. And man clutched his remote control and ate the potato chips and swaddled in fat and cholesterol. It tasted good, but man went into cardiac arrest. And God sighed and created the quadruple bypass surgery. But Satan controlled the healthcare system. Oh, man. <laughs> now, I don't know if Satan created the healthcare system. I don't think so. Uh, I'm not sure about the fast foods, though. But if you're a Christian, welcome to the battle. The Christian life is maybe not like that, but the Christian life is a life that is fraught in battle. We are at war with an enemy. We are at battle. It's amazing how many people will preach the gospel and say, you know, accept Christ, and you know what? Your life will just, from then on, just be this easy walk in the park. I want to tell you that that's not true. In fact, I want to say to you, it'll probably get harder. I mean, to truly live a life of faith is a battle on a lot of different fronts. And we're going to conclude our series in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're going to start this new passage. And it's amazing how Paul will conclude all that he said in the, in the gospel of Ephesians by using a metaphor of war, of battle. 
He's going to sum up all he said, and then he's going to challenge us to get ready for the fight. Now, the book of Ephesians, this letter written to the church at Ephesus, is a wonderful book, wonderful letter. It tells who we are in Jesus Christ and how great the blessings are being in him. Amen? It is wonderful to know that I am in Christ. That is my identity, that I am a child of the King, the child of the God of this universe, that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with him because of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot of things that define us, right? We, men like to define themselves by their jobs. Even in church, we like to define ourselves by our ministries. But let me tell you what should define your life, that you are in Christ. That is what defines us. And Paul describes in the beginning of this letter all those blessings of being a child of God. And then we started and picked up in our study in chapter 4 where he begins saying, okay, you're a child of God. Now here's the way you should live out your faith, how to live a consistent life. And we talked about that, how it is that we live a consistent life, that my life matches who I am in Jesus Christ. And then we talked about how that looks like in our relationships and how a godly marriage looks like and how it looks like in the workplace and how parenting looks like from a, being in, in Christ. But here's the thing. All that living a consistent life, having marriages that are godly, having healthy workplace atmospheres and learning how to deal with all that, it does not come by accident. It's a battle to make that happen. It's a battle to live a consistent life of faith. It's a battle to have a godly home. It is a battle. It doesn't just happen. There is opposition. So for the next month, we're going to finish the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at this battle. We want to take a fresh start and looking at our, our spiritual walk and how that is a battle, because there is an enemy out there that we are confronting, and we're going to notice that this morning. So welcome to the battle. We are in it, yeah, but we have the armor of God to help us through it. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 10 this morning. The first thing I want us to notice is that Paul is going to call us to battle. He's going to call us to battle. He's going to say, get ready. Get ready. Because there's a fight, and you're in it. And the first thing we're going to see is here that his first admonition for us is to be strong. To be strong. Notice verse 10. Paul, kind of summing it up, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in His 
mighty power. We're to be strong. And he defines being strong by being in the Lord and also in his mighty power. Now, I want us to know something, that being strong is not something we do. We can't man up. All right? That's not what this is talking about. This is God working in us to make us strong. This is something that God does in us and through us in this battle. It's God at work in our lives. The emphasis on this passage is in the Lord. We are to be strong in the Lord. Not in myself. That's pretty weak. In the Lord we're to be strong. The cardinal reality presented in the book of Ephesians is that as believers, we are in Christ and we are one with him. His life is our life. His power is our power. His truth is our truth. His way, our way. And Paul goes on to say here, his strength is our strength. And we're to find that strength in our Lord. You know, the people of Ephesus uh, would have been very familiar with power and strength. And they, the problem with them was they found it in so many other ways. They found it in the occult, in witchcraft. It's hard for us to, well, I don't know, it, maybe not so hard, but in that day there was a lot of witchcraft, a lot of um, uh, uh, false gods that they would appeal to to give them strength. Actually, they would try to manipulate those gods to help them. And when you go into the look at history in the Roman world, you would see all kinds of these uh, cantations and stuff that was happening in the Roman culture at that day. And so they would have known this. They knew what spiritual power was, but they tried to find it in the wrong places. In fact, if you go into Acts and you remember that story where they were casting out demons and uh, they, they started trying to cast them out in the name of Jesus and the demon said, you know, uh, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but you I don't know. Remember, they gave him the pounding. It's a great story. So they were familiar with this. But Paul says that our strength, our power comes in the Lord. Now, he made a reference to this earlier in, the, in, the chapter, in chapter 1. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Amen. We have a hope. He says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and notice, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That is the power we have. And that was the power that Paul was telling this church. You have this great power, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That is your strength. That is your power. And he said, it is greater 
than any power here on earth, any name that is invoked. Whatever they were doing, their, their uh, uh, incarnations to, or whatever you call those things, who they were praying to, their, whatever God they were praying to, whatever witchcraft they were going to, Paul says, Jesus Christ's power is greater. He is our strength, and he is our power. And that's the strength that we can have. Well, how do we gain that strength? I mean, I mean, I think that's a great question. How do we access that strength in our own lives? Well, by prayer. By prayer. By asking God, God, help me. By depending on him. What else? By knowledge of his word and obedience to it. That's how we gain power. Is by knowing God's word and believing it and applying it in our lives. You will find strength. Strength to go on. And really, I, I, I really believe this. It's by us believing, kind of in conjunction with that, in God's promises. Listen, we can find strength in our lives when we believe what God's word says and his promises. What do you mean? I mean those times that you are just feeling abandoned, all alone. You go to Psalm 139 and realize that God is there and knows exactly what you're going through. Those times that you just feel like I am nothing. Go to Psalm 139 like we read and see that you were formed by God's hand while you were in the womb. That you're wonderfully and created, made by God. Those times that you just think your back's against the wall and there's no one cares. Jesus says, look, cast your cares on me for I care for you. All those things. Jesus says, I'll never, ever leave you. I'll never forsake you. I won't give you anything that you can't handle. All those promises, when we believe them, how that can help us and give us strength. Amen. You see, believing in God's word, it's God who gives us that strength. And we can deal with a lot if we just take God at his word. Amen. We will find strength. Strength to keep going. Strength to keep in the battle. And we need that because we live in a broken world. And we need that strength. So Paul is very clear to us. He gives us, he says, be strong. Find your strength in Christ, in him. But he also says something else. He says, put on the full armor of God. Let's read verse 11. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Take on the full armor of God. This is the armor that God provides for us. This is how God helps us in the battle. And he says, put it on. Put on all of it. You need it all. Put on the full armor of God so that you can withstand. And I love that this is just such a great passage. And we're going to be talking about putting on this full armor of God and different characteristics of it as we go through this month. But I want us to notice just this at the beginning. It's not like my uh, 
softball uniform that I put on every week, all right? All right, so uh, if you even call it. Shorts and a T-shirt. I'm not sure you can call that a uniform. Daniel says, though, I need to get a big old sliding pad, all right? So I get my glove, put on my hat, get my uniform on. I go out and I play my game. And then I come home, and usually it's head-to-toe dirt, and throw it in the laundry, and I don't put it back on until the following week. When it comes to the armor of God, we never take it off. We never take it off. This is a constant battle that we are in, 24-7. You never take this battle, this, this armor off. You never lay it down. You're never at, not at battle. The war rages on. and We have to be prepared for it. And the reason that we need this battle is so that, as Paul says, that we can stand. He'll say stand four times in four verses. That we can withstand. That we can stand up. And here it says, well, who are we to stand up against? Well... We're to stand up against Satan's schemes. Now, I find it interesting. So many people do not believe that there is really Satan, really a devil. There is. He is a fallen angel. And he's taken a third of angels with him. Demons doing his bidding. Satan is real. He is there. He is out there. In fact, I love one quote from one of the Puritans. He, he said that, uh, that there is a devil is a thing doubted by none, but such as those who are under the influence of the devil himself. And it's true. The devil would like for no, everybody to think there is no devil. That would work really well to his plans. But he is there. But here's our thing that we need to understand. He is not God. He is not God. He is not omnipresent. He isn't everywhere like we read in Psalm 139. He is not. That's not the devil. He is not all-knowing. He doesn't know the future. He is not all-knowing. He is not all-powerful. God limits what he can do. God is God, Satan is not. It is not yin and yang. It is not one, his, his counterpart equal. God is God. Satan is a created being who's going to find his place in hell. And he's not going to be the chief party goer down in hell. He's going to be the chief prisoner in hell. Hell is not going to be where you go down there and party with your buddies punishment. It's hellfire. And he is the chief prisoner resident, not the king of it. We need to get a proper perspective on who Satan is. Because we always go to extremes, and both extremes are wrong. We either want to just deny it altogether, or we get fascinated by this. Both extremes are dangerous. We don't have to be fearful of him, but we certainly need to be aware of him. Not fearful, but certainly aware and on guard. But he is not God. 
is not God. His end is already written. We already know the outcome. But right now, God is allowing him to do his thing. But even that's a limited amount of time. I like, again, one of the quotes by Cotton Mather. He said, God indeed has the devil in a chain, but has horribly lengthened out the chain. And it's true. He is out and about seeking who he may devour. And we need to be on guard. He has his demons doing his bidding. We are in a spiritual battle. Make no mistake about it. And so we need to stand up against Satan's schemes. Well, what are some of those schemes? I find this in what is What are some of the schemes that Satan does? Well, let me just give you a couple of them. How about doubting God? How about doubting God? Think about the garden. What happened there? Satan comes up to Eve as his, her buddy. That's one of the ways he comes. He comes as a buddy. Oh, you said, God, you can eat on all of the trees except for the one in the middle? That God, he's so unfair. How dare he? He just doesn't want you to be like him. What did Eve do? She doubted God's word and believed Satan's. And that's one of the tactics of Satan, is to cause us to doubt God's word to doubt what God says. You know, we all have doubts. But how do we resolve our doubts? Well, I think we have to go to Scripture. We have to go there and find out what God says. We need God's revelation in our lives. The Enlightenment, see, what happened with the Enlightenment is we made this major shift in history. Now, instead of being this as what we needed to understand and interpret the world, Man decided, well, hey, our reasoning is good enough. Well, there's a problem. Our reasoning is tainted by sin. We don't see everything clearly. Even in the garden, God needed to tell Adam and Eve, don't eat from that tree. Because Eve looked at it and thought, you know what? That looked pretty good. Satan's tactic is for us to doubt God. Be aware. Be on guard. What else? Well, sometimes persecution. Satan does come as a roaring lion. Doesn't, uh, it's always an interesting, and I'm always amazed when I read about some of our Baptist history, some of the Anabaptists and what they, what they went through. They were persecuted heavily for the faith. Satan will use people unwittingly to do his bidding. So many of them died because of what they believed. Listen, persecution can happen to us in a drop of a, a bucket, a drop in a bucket. It can happen at any time. Satan would love to do that to cause us to doubt, to cause us to stumble, to cause us to fall. Finally, we also see false teachers. False teachers. Satan loves to bring the false teachers around that just steer you off enough. Well, that sounds pretty good. But really what they're doing is they're preaching another Christ. 
They'll preach a gospel message that is not based in who Jesus Christ is and what he's done on the cross. Just skewed enough where it's about you and your works and what you've done and not about what Christ has done on the cross. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 11, 13, and 15. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, notice, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Even, even Satan masquerades as being true. We have to be on guard for that. There are a lot of things, brethren, that say they are Christian that are not. Be on guard. Be aware. They will take you down a wrong path. They masquerade as nobody goes, hey, I'm going to go down to the false church today. Right? Be aware. Be on guard. Put on the armor. All right, so what is the nature of our battle? Well, let's look at verse 12. Verse 12, Paul says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Wow, that's quite a bit. What is it that our battle? Well, we know, according to Paul, this is not a physical battle we're talking about here. It's not flesh and blood. What are we referring to? It's a spiritual battle that we are in. We are wrestling. Literally, the word means that we are wrestling. Combat. We are wrestling with spiritual forces. That's the battle that we're in. And it's interesting how Paul describes it against this, against that. There's some that think that maybe this is speaking of a hierarchy of the demons. I don't know. Could very well be. But certainly what we do know is that we are in a spiritual battle. You know, in military strategy, one must never underestimate the strength of the enemy. So should it be with us. We need to understand that there is a spiritual battle taking place, that it is all around us, that we are engaged in it, and we cannot underestimate that. But I'll be honest, I think sometimes we do. I think we live pretty comfortably, and I don't think we really understand what's around us. We just don't see it. You know, and I say that because I'll tell you why I say that. It's because I look at my own prayer life and I think, wow, if I really believed I was in a spiritual battle, don't you think I would have a little bit more of a fervent prayer life? I think even as a church. Listen, we have a lot of activities coming up this summer. We're sending a group to Honduras. We've got vacation Bible school where the gospel is being preached. We have camp. We're going to be involved in other activities where we get to share the gospel message. Listen, 
We need, as a church, to be praying because we are in a spiritual battle. And don't think Satan would love anything else than to hinder us in presenting the gospel message. I've been amazed at how many times somebody will come up to me and they'll want to make a commitment to God or they'll, they'll want to take the next step, maybe in baptism, and then next thing you know, something happens and off they go. Something came up. Something happened. We're in a spiritual battle. We need to acknowledge that and we need to be prepared and ready And I think as a church, we need to be always asking God's help. God, help us in what we do. Shield us from Satan and his demons. Well, let's wrap this up. How do we prepare for the battle? Well, Paul's already mentioned it, and he's mentioned it twice, and it's what we'll be talking about the rest of the month. Paul says that we are to put on the full armor of God. Notice verse 13. Therefore... In light of what I just said about the battle we're in, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground. This is God's provision for us to stand. And it may be God, we could view it as this is God's armor that we're to put on. This is what God has given us so that we can do battle to stand. And why is it that I need to stand? Or what is it that I need to stand? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about. But let me just say, I need God's truth. I need God's righteousness. I need the gospel of peace. I need faith. This is what we're going to be talking about the month. This is what we put on to stand. We put on the armor of God. Now, notice what he says here at the end. He says, when are we to do this? Notice that you're able to stand so that when the evil day, the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. When the evil day comes, what is that evil day? Well, I think that evil day is started back in the garden when man fell and Satan started. It's been a battle ever since. And it's going to be a battle until our Lord finally puts down Satan. The evil day is any day that we are dealing with sin, with evil, with temptation. How many of you have been tempted this week? All right. (laughs) Welcome to the battle. Welcome to the battle. Every day can be an evil day when we're having to fight our temptations and struggles. So what do we do? Paul says, get ready for battle. Stand. Put on the armor of God. So the question for the day is this. Are you prepared for battle? Are we ready? Are we really putting on the armor of God like we should? Well, let me just say, number one, let's not underestimate the battle we're in. I think that is the thing we do the most. We just underestimate it. We've we've bought into Satan just being some kind of, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. He's real. The demons are real. 
Now, I'm not saying you go out, and I don't think there's any scripture for us rebuking deacon, de- deacons, not deacons. <laughs> wow. Amen to that. <laughs> rebuking demons. Thank you. <laughs> dumbfounded right now. But there are that who say, you know, I rebuke you in the name. I don't see that in Scripture. I don't see it. What are we to do? We're to resist the devil and flee from him. That's what we're to do. We're to obey. That's how we deal with the spiritual battle. And so let's not underestimate the battle we're in. Number two, then let's do this. Let's put on the armor of God. And I want you to go ahead each week. Let's, let's take time. Let's read through this passage. Let's read through this last little section of Ephesians. And let's think deeply on what this means for us to put on the armor. Because, brethren, we are in a battle. And if we want to live a life that glorifies God, if we want our church to make a difference in this world, then we've got to go headlong into this battle. But to do that, we've got to be prepared to fight do that by putting on the armor of God. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you again for this privilege that we have to come together as a church family and to consider your word and what you tell us to do. And Father, we know that we are in a battle, that it is a struggle to live in a way that brings you honor and glory. But Father, we also know that the victory is ours that we can find strength, that we can find power through you. And I pray, Father, as your people, that you would help us to put on that armor of God. May we find our power and strength in you. May we be able to withstand the attacks and the schemes of Satan. And may we as a church go out boldly into the battle, Proclaim your word in a world that needs to hear it. So, Father, help us is our prayer this morning. And I do pray for the one that may be here this morning that does not know you, Savior. I pray, Father, today that they would realize how great and amazing God you are, that you would love them so much that you would send your son so that they can be right with you, have their sins forgiven, and find peace and joy in life with you. I pray that your spirit would work on that heart. And Father, it's always my prayer that in everything we say and in everything we do, we would bring you honor and glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing. I don't know what's on your heart. Maybe you're struggling in the battle and you just need to give it over to God. Listen, the altar's open. Maybe you don't know Christ. and You'd like to talk to me about it. I'd love to share with you how great our God is. Whatever your need is, as we sing.